and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wabo's most self-aware work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And I'm the Thai BM, or just the Thai, from the Pale Audiobook Project. And I'm Number Wang Man, also from the Pale Audiobook Project. Uh, we're a group of amateurs foolishly trying to keep up with Wildbo's publishing speed. We've fallen behind a bit, but we've just recruited some new narrators and we're fighting hard to catch up. Thanks a lot for inviting us. Yeah, yeah. of course. It's great to have you here. Um, I, I like that the, descript- the first sentence you had there about uh, being a group of amateurs foolishly trying to keep up with Wildbo's publishing speed. That actually applies to everyone here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's a foolish endeavor, uh, but we, you know, we do our best. <laughs> um, We've joined the club. Uh, I remember when it just began, I thought with three narrators, we'd be able to keep up because, you know, we have three people, <laughs> one chapter of week, roughly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then the mm, chapters nope. grew longer and longer. Oh, I know. <laughs> He's just amazing. Yeah. And the extra materials. They start out like around 7,000 words and then some of them are like now 10,000, 13,000. It's like, what? Yeah, and then you get <laughs> extra fair. materials that are like as long as a chapter itself and you're like, how did you have time to write this? <laughs> I know, right. Yeah, the most recent one was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we are here to reflect on Backaway, Arc 5, uh, the, whole, the whole dang thing. Uh, but let's just start by giving a brief summary for those of you who have forgotten what happened all the way back at the start of Arc 5. Um, Arc 5 began with 5.A, we're in Clem's head, she's in Bristow's apartment, before she teams up with her best friend Sharon and her other friend, not as close, Daniel, to go check out Kennet, and things get crazy as Clem starts to find a bunch of crazy magic items. Yep, and we then swish on over to Daniel's perspective for 5.B, our second chapter and second interlude, uh, as Daniel just sort of wanders around Kennet, casually kidnapping children, adults, grumpy old men. (laughs) <laughs> uh, before, you know, finding Guillaume, stabbing him a, a bit, and then uh, making a dashing getaway. Right. Then we get a bit of extra material, phone conversations, and we are luckily saved from the Sharon POV, and we are seeing the perspective of her phone, actually. And then we learn she dis- found, sorry, that she's found the perimeter, and also she is the worst, absolutely the worst. And she gets <laughs> dumped, 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 which makes me feel warm inside. <laughs> Oh, it's me now. <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing there laughing. Um, so, and uh, 5.1, uh, Lucy and Verona wait for Avery to come back from meeting Clem before catching a ride with Matthew and Edith and splitting up targets. Lucy goes after Daniel and tries to chase him down. Uh, yes. Uh, and then we are back in Verona's head. Uh, Verona is chatting, chit-chatting with Matthew and Edith as they chase down Sharon. Uh, they find the perimeter is down and Albie gives Verona a little jump scare before Verona goes after the worldwide WooTube sensation herself. Uh, yes. Then we had a, a nice little bit of extra material talking about the various fairy courts, uh, the goblins. Uh, it was all from Avery's perspective as she kind of, you know, shows us what she's learned. Uh, which most of all is that goblin uh, naming is all bullshit. Then we get to 5.3, back with Verona again, and she is harassed by the perfectly awful ghost before she confronts and defeats Sharon. Yes, yes, yes. I hate Sharon even more than Edith, which is tough. And we get some help also. John is there and he (laughs) beats the hell out of her, but okay. (laughs) She she loses. That's what's important. (laughs) Poor Sharon. Not really. Um, and then um, and 5.4, we see Avery uh, fighting her arch rival, Mr. Schweinhund. Um, and she's saved by her best friends, the goblins. 
following this encounter, she makes her way to Daniel's tribute to Dark Spring, the tower. And um, uh, sorry, not that, that that's not the tower at that point. I'm confused. Anyway, it was the market. No. Oh, the market. Yeah, the that's market right. Yeah. Street. <laughs> I got mixed up. Um, anyway, uh, chats with Charles, and then uh, she teams up with Lucy against uh, Daniel, the rogue performer. Yes. Um, then we get a bonus material. We just get to overhear a phone conversation. It's pretty fun. Um, it written in an interesting way. Verona's calling Bristow, and he turns out to be even more of a huge piece of shit than we first thought, which is uh, <laughs> a, a, a high bar to clear. Uh, yes. And then we uh, jump into 5.C. Uh, C stands for Clem. We're back in her perspective. <laughs> uh, she gets chased by some adoring fans who really like her new earring, uh, gets some life lessons from Guillaume, and eventually joins Avery and Lucy on team Stop Daniel uh, before <laughs> deciding she just wants to go back home with him and Sharon uh, rather than you know be associated with Charles. Then we get to 5.5 where Verona and Pals or uh, check out where Clem, sorry, where Clem saw the Carmine Cube uh, before Lucy pulls the team aside to have the talk. It's a beautiful, touching moment, and promises are made between our gals. And then we go back to heartlessly killing all the town's intruders, including some weird five thousand people. Sorry, people who count themselves until the world is destroyed, or at least a million people are. Uh, and oh, oh, sorry, there's also the very sad part with Verona's dad, where she leaves him alone. He's abusive. <laughs> Um, and then next uh, we've got some more uh, extra material the Kennet newsletter Uh, we get the latest issue of everyone's favorite newsletter this side of Toronto dolphins, missing teens, and out of control celebrations this town has it all and a fun Sudoku, great times that's true Uh, (laughs) and then of course can't uh, forget that (laughs) Arc 5 was a chapter full of interludes but Wabo I guess uh, didn't feel like he'd written enough so we finish with 5.D which is three more interludes (laughs) three a four one of them's quite small um so we have the snot goblin interlude the ice sloshing girl interlude uh and we jump into Miss's perspective as well we see Miss again which is great um she catches up with her best friends and gives the Kenneteers I was going to say advice, but not really advice, just kind of uh, vague hints in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, ba- barely even that, right? She just, like, they, they sort of say things, and she's like, hmm, yes, interesting. Mm. That's, that's how Miss gives advice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it counts. <clears throat> and by the uh, way, those who listen to the audiobook will get a guest uh, speaker, guest narrator, who they might recognize from here. Hmm. Yes, I'm very <laughs> excited for that. Have to wait and see. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so what many options. Kind of, <laughs> uh, what do we all think of in general um, of this arc? Besides, it was great. I mean, it's always great, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was definitely like an event arc, right? Like, I think a lot of the others have had so much going on. This whole arc was just this fight for the most part, right? Like this, this, you know. Kennedy has got split up, came back mm. together again. We sort of defeated uh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was a big event of an arc. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am I, just huge f- fans of all these uh, aware characters, like Clem especially. Oh, poor Clem. She's just tugs <laughs> in my heartstrings, a poor girl. Um, but even then, I mean, as you know, having narrated, it's not released yet, but sort of worked on some narration for this, like, Sharon is hilariously horrible. <laughs> just like, oh man. <laughs> but yeah, and then and of course Daniel's a scream too. Yeah, just love them all. But 
I, I agree. There was a moment where the conflict was ending and they were talking about heading back to Bristow and I suddenly had the realization, it's like, oh, these these three probably aren't going to be in the whole rest of the story. Uh, and I hadn't really no. come to terms with that until I was reading uh, the the second last chapter and I was I got really bummed out about that. Do you, do you think we'll see them again? I don't know. Like, I think obviously um the the reason this whole arc exists is because there's this conflict being set up between bristow and, and alexander i wonder like it feels like if that comes to a head again we're gonna have to see some more tenants maybe not these three specifically although i suspect sharon has a grudge to settle so unfortunately we're probably gonna see her again <laughs> i also I think th- uh daniel's sister what's her name shally right Something yes. mm-hmm. sharon i don't remember but i also think she'll probably i mean she was sort of discussed a lot right and she threatened several people in some of the extra materials right yeah i think she threatened both verona and bristow right so i think she might also make an appearance yeah it's kind of like a what do they call it Chekhov's gun you know just they well both kind of mentioned her and she's like ooh, she you know <laughs> you feel like yeah, you wouldn't I- throw her in there if nothing was going to happen but maybe she'll play a small part you know well, i think it was yeah. said right that there were like there were originally six candidates sort of given to us and we obviously got the three that came to Kenneth. and i think it was also sort of said that the other three were with bristow doing stuff at the blue heron institute so maybe we'll see them in, in arc oh. six um right there was the evil know, eye guy right mm. yeah and then the guy who was like the groundhog daying yeah. to defeat some oh, giant yeah. monster oh yeah he, oh, that yeah, he sounded really awesome that's such a weird that's such a weird <laughs> setup for a character. He had his like heroic Groundhog Day story, and now he's just this dude twenty years later, or whatever. <laughs> oh man! I mean, it, it's funny though, because as we're talking about, like, oh, how could uh, Clem come back? There's now this other part of me that's like, I don't want that for her. Like, I don't want her to get caught up in more of this bullshit. That's dangerous and awful. She should yeah. just go and be happy. I don't. I. I. I don't want her to come back because I want to believe she's living happily ever after. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. She deserves the world, right? It's, poor girl. I mean, she's yeah, trying she so hard not to harm other people, even though she's basically cursed, right? Yeah. Um. But. Uh. But yeah. And and the the other thing I was going to say is like with all these characters too, it's tough to tell because we all know how Wild Bill loves these sprawling stories with just so much world building. And you can't tell the difference sometimes between a character that's going to, you know, that's relevant to the story or just like, just this like wonderfully fleshed out background character is just like, oh yeah, just throw that in there. And it's like, you know, there's just like a whole story behind that. And it's like, maybe they're not even going to come back in the story again, but they're there, you know, it's like, which is what makes it great. But it's also like, it's really hard to tell, hey, who's going to be important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was also really nice to have, uh, you know, the Kenneth uh, settings again, right? Because we left it. I think most of Arc 4, I can't remember. But now, you know, we get to see Alpi again, which was nice, and some fairy conversations with all our favorite fairies and the weird fairy. I don't know. I don't remember if we know his name, the new guy, whatever. Mm. But yeah, it was really nice to meet all the old peeps again after an arc away. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I, I... I wouldn't want to stay away from Kenneth for too long because then we well, then I might start to forget a bit like who's who, um, or or just feel like you know the characters have lost touch with them. So it's kind of nice that even though we're doing these school arcs, there seem to be uh, excuses uh, to you know come back and see Verona's dad and you know all sorts of fun <laughs> check in stuff. Miss him, right? 
God. He's actually, he's another one who's like, you know, just, oh, horrible. I, I mean, he's a little more, I think, sympathetic than, um, let's say, Sharon. Um, slightly, you know, um, he's still kind of like, come on, <laughs> dude, you know, but, yeah. um, but he's lots of fun to read in just a horrible way. Maybe I'm just a sick person. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, like narrating him in Verona's conversation because it's it's more about like the this just the sheer emotion of everything, mm. and it's like oh god, you know, like I I love I love reading that stuff. But yeah, yeah, narrating I, I, him is I, definitely fun. Mm. <laughs> I could definitely yeah. see that. Um, I, I definitely I I alternate. It's like I think when he's not on screen, I feel sorry for him, and I want him to get fixed for himself and for Verona and then but then when he is on screen and he's doing the things he's doing I'm just like I hate you go away I th- <laughs> yeah I think it's a thing where like you you can simultaneously have both of these feelings like just get 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 me out of here get away from me but also like I feel bad for you fix yourself up you know and that's the thing that I think they say that people who are in abusive relationships or abusive situations have trouble with is like you may feel sympathy for them but you have to do what's right for you and get out and cut off, you know, cut off this relationship sometimes, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, Verona screams at the grandmother who killed all the pets of the other woman, right? That You know, just giving someone birth, it's like, mm. you know, it's not taking care of them. And uh, the fact that, you know, you feed them is something you're legally required to do, but mm. <laughs> it doesn't excuse what she does later, right? Yeah, and, bare um, minimum, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, one hand, yes, you're right. Screw Verona's dad. Well, I don't even remember his name, but who cares? But on the other <laughs> hand, it's like, you know, it's clearly an emotional toll on Verona, right? I mean, it's just so painful to see her walk away. Like, you know, do it. It's more healthy for you, but still, ah, it's tough. <laughs> we don't know his name, right? Uh, for an oh, I, I, name. I don't think so. I think it's actually never been stated. It hasn't been said to us which is an interesting bit of like dehumanization but from the narration i mean i'm not saying that he's i'm I'm never going to defend verona's dad but it's just interesting to see that there are clearly a few things that we can put our finger on that are like oh in at least one minute way he's not being given a chance to be humanized to us i i I, I think it's kind of symbolic of maybe him being like just like, like he, he's he's something in Verona's life that's that's not a person anymore. He's like mm. this symbol, this like aura of just negativity, and like he, at least from Verona's perspective, he's lost the status of like being a full human. Mm. Um, in in the sense yeah. of like how he treats her and deserves to be treated in in turn. Yeah, and it's actually if you think about it, um, like. Avery's parents, while not like outright abusive, they're just kind of there. She kind of doesn't get, you know, like their relationship is kind of just like very kind of distant in a way. And I think it's only uh, we know Lucy's mother's name, right? Jasmine. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so she's the one who has like the the strong sort of close relationship with her mother out of the three of them. Um, Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. We she's the only one who uh, we know her name. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to remember. I. Have we heard Do Avery's we, parents' names? Maybe, or maybe. maybe I, I, listen, if they, if we have, I I, I very easily have forgotten them. Yeah, yeah. If we have, it was it was in passing. Whereas I think like mm-hmm. jazz was very heavily established as jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we know we all know Avery, Avery's I mean, I just, siblings, like twenty yeah. of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So to to jump back to a, a bit of an earlier point you guys made, and I know I'm jumping around the notes that we've got in front of us here, but um. 
you, you brought up how fun it is to narrate Verona's dad. And um, this is something I wanted to ask you about. Like, what, mm-hmm. how, how does doing the audiobook may, maybe change your relationships with the characters or your understanding of them? Because it's a very, like, having done a tiny bit of this stuff myself, um, it really changes the way you interact with the story when you are narrating it, because like, you pay attention to every single word. Yeah. I, I'd say you said it right there. It's like you have to notice every word. You notice a lot more details that things like, um, you know, you're reading naturally. Sometimes you might just your your brain, um, like you think of something else for a second and you're, you're reading a little bit and you miss something, right? Um, whereas when you're narrating, you have to say it out loud and that that really does, um, you know, makes a difference. The other thing that's interesting is, um, from my point of view, is, you know, you're we're narrating not what's just been published. You know, we're a little bit behind. So it's like you're going back and rereading. So it's the second time you're doing it. Um, and that kind of influences things too, because you can kind of, you're taking a close look. And this is more like, um, it's a weird thing. Like most people wouldn't read the story and then go back and read a couple of chapters behind and reread them as they're going along. Um, you might reread it again from the beginning once you finished. But um, so it's a just, a, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to experience it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's lots of fun. Hey, Tang, what do you yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, I can, uh, I really relate to what Aaron said, because sometimes, you know, for example, in the, the part with the tower, right, in the, in this uh, arc, I completely missed the fact that there was a tower, like, I got the plot, because, but, you know, I missed for a second, I don't know how, but, I mean, sometimes, you know, you miss something small, and, and you miss the fact that it's like a major deal, and you realize everything around it, and you don't even realize something missing, but then when, you know, when you try to narrate something, on one hand, it can be hard, like, for example, doing Verona's dad and naming the voice. It's, like, really fun, but then it's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? And on the other <laughs> hand, I don't know, it, it, I feel like it really helps you connect to characters to really need to change the voice. I think uh, Elia is actually the one that recommended us to, you know, change our posture when we try to do different voices, right? And I don't know, mm. it feels, uh, I feel, like, much more connected, but I might be a bit, how do you say overstating it but i don't know that's how it feels for me at least <laughs> when i'm asked on it now <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a great that was a great tip by the way i, I used that what was it um tate is it Taylos? i'm trying to remember um the one who's like trying to get them to go and jump in the in the river i, I think that was from last arc actually but you mm-hmm. know just thinking of him as like a kind of like a a teenager you know with that sort of you know slightly hunched over kind of <laughs> i don't know um teenager feeling so it kind of kind of helped so yeah, I think one Sharon, of my of favorite oh, Sharon <laughs> one, one of my favorite chapters to do is like when Verona is like feeding the goblins like she's asking them the interview and then you know you have like three or four goblins talk I think it was three goblins and then for each of them I get like a different posture it was so much fun to to do it like being cherry pop that was so much nice so nice <laughs> I really love being I really love being goblins <laughs> goblins are, they're, they're so much fun yes. I think goblins would, would just be I can imagine they're very fun because you kind of get to do crazy voices and you wouldn't have to worry about like it sounding ridiculous because that's the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will say um, Alpina. Oh, man, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to like tra- translate this this like like Scottish accent spelling and then like, oh, man, it was fun, though. It's like it's like I can do half decent Scottish accent now, but man, that was that was a lot of work. I, I, I had to reread each line like five times, six times to. <laughs> Especially because there's so much like actual Scottish slang in there. So like yeah. some of it is just like a sort of phonetic spelling of 
uh, an English word in her accent, and some of it's just like slang, and it can be really hard to know which is which. Uh, for me, at least. Mm. Yeah, there's some people on Reddit yeah. like making helping out a little bit with that. Like, that's how you pronounce this word. But go ahead, Ute. <laughs> no, I, I want. I just want to say, yeah, I agree. At some point, we had a, a guest Scottish narrator who did just her voice for a chapter. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's really nice. It's good to hear how it's supposed to sound, right? Yes. <laughs> and then feel bad about how we butcher it. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We know we're, we know we're amateurs. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. It's not as bad as the extra materials doing them. Because uh, to go to this, to the question of how does it feel, I mean, specifically for the extra material, it feels a bit, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say, I mean, it's not cheap, but like, you know, we're not doing it the full justice it deserves because we're not Wildbo. So how can you, you know, do these amazing mm. parts like with the I mean you cannot describe the drawings for example you know you never can mm. it's not possible right and you, some of the text yeah. you know they write it like you know in handwritten right sometimes and mm. I don't know yeah I think it's an yeah, amazing there was, concept yeah we had one which is not which is not out yet um we had a guest uh guest reader who did the um the one with uh uh, what was it uh, Verona and Sharon and John in the car uh, on the phone call to Bristow mm-hmm. yeah and they did a great job with that sort of like because uh, there's a couple of spots where like the characters are kind of talking over each other and stuff like that and you kind of edit it that way so that was uh that was pretty oh, neat cool. um yeah so that'll be coming out in a, in a little bit but uh, well, I, yeah because i suppose yeah like i totally get what you're saying because you, you sort of can't do a lot of the imagery of these extra materials justice it's kind of what separates them but it's hard to do an audio but i suppose with something like the phone conversation on the other hand, then you've got a kind of room to play with yeah. stuff yourselves. Yeah. And, I think and that's what I mean. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think something interesting about the phone conversation is like Wabo has written that bonus material in a way that it's trying to emulate audio, right? Like mm. the, 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 the style of that phone conversation is explicitly trying to emulate the audio of a phone call with overlapping you know, voices and interac- interruptions and, and, and someone in the background kind of speaking softly, you know, coming through the phone. Uh, it's interesting that you're now going, I guess, full circle and turning that thing that is an imitation of an audio conversation into yeah. back into audio, which I think is just a cool little circular. Yeah, and yeah. absolutely. And I think, um, and this is something that's interesting because I've kind of been trying to read up a bit about how professionals do audiobooks and, and stuff. And, um, uh, someone I read made, made a really good point, which is that when you read um, written, spoken dialogue, it's really the text that is an approximation of of the speech. Mm. And so you can kind of bring that backwards and say, and, and say like, oh yeah, this is this is how this would actually sound, right? And so sometimes people will do stuff like um, uh, if they say that a character is whispering, you know, they actually whisper the line, and you don't mention that they whispered because you just whispered it, right? You thought that would be redundant. Mm. Um, or if, if they say a character laughed, you can just literally laugh in, in the mm. audio. Um, I tried that once. I'm I'm not brave enough to do it like all the time, but like once in a while, it's kind of uh, if I feel I can do it, a good job. But you know, trying to laugh like a like a like a teenage girl is, is <laughs> a bit of a tall order sometimes. Plus, then there's inherently a bit of your. I mean, not a huge amount, but to some extent, your editorializing of the text, right? I guess that's an interesting mm-hmm. trade-off of like you're you're slightly, ever so slightly tweaking the text in in you and potentially the yeah. interpretations in the way that uh, yep. you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm, fascinating. So there was a part I remember there was an episode where there were like twenty thumps in a row, so thump 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 thump, and I was really feeling stupid on one hand because 
you know, I cannot do like, because people will think it was just background noise. But on the other hand, I ended up <laughs> saying thump like 50 times in a row. <laughs> and I counted it <laughs> to make sure I'm not butchering the masterpiece. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's tough. It's a tough call sometimes. Yeah, You don't want to get the comment that someone emails you and saying, hey, you only did 14 thumps. There was meant to be 15. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I suppose the other thing, like, I've heard, like, you know, when I've sort of heard about, like, professionals doing audiobooks and stuff, you, you sort of usually have to read all the material first so that you, you get an idea for the characters and where they're going and, and all that. So you're not just, like, picking up chapter one and, kind of totally mis- misinterpreting characters, but that's that's not quite possible the way you guys are doing the pale audiobook, right? Like, how's that been? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, it's... I, I, I definitely, like, from the beginning, we kind of, you know, we, we kind of used voices for the characters and then they changed within a couple of chapters as we kind of got to know their personalities more um, and just kind of just, just their, their speech patterns, you know? And I mean, if, if you listen to the audiobook, you know that... Um, well, at least, I mean, and the thing is, we all do them a little bit differently. We're not, you know, we're not the same people, but we try to keep it relatively close. Like, I think of Lucy as kind of, she's like the business, the down to business person of the group, right? The the mm. sort of leaders like, hey, let's get this done. Let's solve this mystery. And so I, I have her talk in more of a, a commanding voice. And, you know, we, we know that Avery is a bit on the shyer side, more soft spoken. Um, and so we do that and, and go a bit softer with her. And Verona's kind of, I don't know, she's like, a little bit, you know, she's really into the practice and a bit space, not spacey sometimes, but like distracted by that stuff and doesn't necessarily focus on, you know, solving the mystery. So she's got kind of a little more of a flighty voice for the way I do it. But again, we've all got our own, our own spin on it. So, um, but, but that like from the first couple of chapters, that wasn't necessarily evident right away. Um, so sure. yeah, that was, that was kind of, uh, something I would like to do again, like, like, uh, Itai mentioned, if we, if we went back and <laughs> recorded the first few, we could kind of change that stuff, but you know, perfect is the enemy of the good. Right. So yeah, I, I always loved Avery right from the beginning. Mm. And I remember like, there's a part right at the beginning where Lucy is being mean to her. Okay. And you know, I, it was like a decision of a moment and I gave her a bit of a snobbish voice. And then, like, after I got, we got to her chapter, I think it was like, I saw, oh, wait, that was not nice. He's like. Another main character who I love. And, you know, I mm. slowly mellowed it down. I mean, and in the end, you know, we're not, uh, we're not professionals. We're not even Rain, I think. We're really amateurs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there are levels to, to, to doing audiobooks. And, you know, like, uh, like Aaron said, you know, we start with a voice and sometimes you change it a bit. And no one remembers, I think, because we're so many people. So no one is going to remember what was my Lucy from four chapters ago, right? So, mm. the, the, so the true answer to your question is we just cheat. Like, and no, hope no one notices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I, with, with, with Lucy, by the way, also, like, my, she start, I, I think she's grown closer to Avery. Like, in the beginning, they were, she was like, Avery was the outsider. And she and Verona were friends. So I feel like she was being... A bit harsh on her in the beginning, and then uh, they've kind of grown closer over time and bonded. You know, Lucy's not a very trusting person either, right? So, yeah. Well, just yeah, I think Avery, I would say, yeah, mm. yeah, but uh, Avery, oh, yeah. overcame that hurdle for sure. I love Avery. Avery is awesome. I, that is actually uh, becoming a bit of a tradition on on these reflections episode. Is everyone uh, definitively claiming uh, who is the best Kenneteer? So, are you are you team Avery, Ito? 
well, it's the only team that doesn't lie. I mean, all the other ones are just wrong. I mean, you know, I don't blame them. Some people are wrong sometimes, but Avery is clearly the best Kenneth here. Like, there's no question. So I have to apologize for my uh, partner's misguided <laughs> viewpoint here. Oh, my God. What are you going to say? Don't depress, no, I'm... Like, I'm, I'm I, I gotta say, Lucy's my girl, um, and it's oh, sorry about that. Um, it's not like I, I, again, I'm probably biased because I've probably done an sort of like I, I've I've leaned heavily on like Lucy's chapters for the ones I've narrated, but oh man, no, just uh, the way that and again, this is a, you know credit to Wildbow being you know like clearly not a black teenage girl, but writing the perspective of a black, uh, black teenage girl and um, doing it in a way that like opened my eyes to, you know, it's, it's sort of about, you know, systemic racism and something that I don't have experience with. And it's something you hear about, but getting into the head of the character makes me a lot more aware of this. And um, as something that, you know, realizing um, what uh, a lot of uh, black people go through, you know, and, and, um, I don't know. It's not like I, I don't claim to be like super enlightened or woke about this or now or whatever. But it's just like it was really it was. I I just love getting into Lucy's head, you know, because of those little moments, like things like the fact that she has to spend so much time on her hair in the morning, um, mm. just as a way of taking away something that other people could use against her, essentially. Um, and yeah, I just I just love it. So again, well, I, agree. I, don't, I, I don't I don't I can't say that that's necessarily realistic it seems like it to me but i'm not you know, i'm not a black teenage girl so no i, I want to emphasize i agree lucy is awesome so is verona but avery is objectively better that's all i'm saying <laughs> okay <laughs> okay I, I mean for me yeah the decision of which is the best is like you know what's your favorite type of cake you know i love i love yeah, a lot yeah. of types of cake like i'm not going to say no to a chocolate cake even if i'm going to pick red velvet um yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you at, Ruben? Because you've actually changed your... Yes, I used to be on Team Avery, and I've solidified oh, no. that I'm on Team uh, Lucy now. Just She's yes. just great. She's just awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> so oh, I, God. I guess I will continue to, to sit in my corner alone yeah, on your Team lonely, Verona. Your lonely, corner. <laughs> I, I gotta say, the two that, like, when Lucy gets mad, oh... Oh, it's good. <laughs> just like the 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 ones like when she's talking to alexander in the meeting or like when she uh the one with paul way back yeah the, the scene um mm-hmm. oh man that's that was hard so much watch. fun to read yeah yeah it's but it's i mean it's 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 really emotional but it's just like oh you get you get into it you know um so yeah yeah i yeah. I, I feel like like from what i've sort of seen and, and heard from people like i think that paul chapter is really the one where lucy clicks for a lot of people like certainly mm. f- for me i don't think i had quite understood her until I read that chapter and it was like, oh, like it all makes sense now. Yeah. She keeps so much bottled up inside. Yeah. You know, um, and just and she yeah, it's it's and, and then it comes out and then you're like, ah, right. It's like you said. Um I gotta say that sometimes it's like whoever I did a chapter like the most recent <laughs> chapter, that's my favorite. Yes. You know, so Okay, but let me one up you because Avery called Declan a penis and then had to prove it by saying she doesn't want <laughs> yeah, to be in true. her face. <laughs> that's true that's true uh, everything's good to, yeah yeah they're all oh man <laughs> i mean that's the thing right i mean the fact that your favorite can be the one that you just did the latest chapter of really speaks to the strength of the characters yeah. i i'm a, I, and i've done a clem one recently like i'm a huge fan of clem now not even a you're not even you know a, one of the protagonists but mm. oh love her too yeah Thank I, God I, I do think sharon that- pov 
<laughs> yeah, that was. Oh yeah, yeah. That was such well, a no, great I'm... decision. Like when I booted up the extra material and it was Sharon's phone, I was like, oh thank goodness, I I did not want to have to nah. read a whole whole chapter from her head. Yeah, I kept it in the notes because it was completely an accurate description of my thoughts. I mean, one hundred percent, I agree <laughs> with that estimate. With that yeah, she's she's fun though. I I just love it because she's she's just not self aware. Right. She's mm. one of those people who's like, because there's very few people who are like racist and would call themselves racist. Mm. Right. Mm. There's most people are just sort of like, you know, they, they just have some way of justifying yeah. their, 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 their viewpoints or their actions. And it's like, so, and obviously she's kind of, you know, piece of shit, but it's, it's, you know, she's, she's funny too. You know, it's just like that, just how horrible she is. Um, I, th- yeah, I think it was this- funny because she kept lo- like losing. Like she was always yes. sort of suffering and it was her fault for being a piece of shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I completely uh. miss the fact, I said earlier about stuff I miss sometimes, that she- when she was saying her best friend was Asian, she was talking about Clem. And that was yeah. just insane. Yeah. Yeah, Clem's Asian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, oh, that moment when, when she walks in and, and, and says, uh, uh, what was it? She's like, she's like, uh, friend or friends or something mentioned that. And then Clem's like, oh my God. She thinks we're friends. You know, it's like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And then she describes um, her as her best friend later on as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like when Verona that, says crazy. she's racist. And then she says, I'm not racist. My best friend is Asian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, yeah. has Classic always line. been a good defense. Yeah. But, yeah. Yes. Um, That's so funny. So, yeah. Hmm. Um. To, to sort of what you said about, like, you know, I, I think it's a testament to how well Wildbo's balance the characters that in just about every one of these that we do, there's somebody representing every Kenneteer. Like, it feels balanced. Like, I don't think there's anyone, you know, you, you, you don't have that thing where it's like you boot up a, a Lucy chapter and it's like, oh, no, like, you know, um, like mm, everyone yeah. loves all three of these. Um, how, how's it been, um, you know, reading the story or doing the audiobook, like juggling three different perspectives because that's definitely like from what well, from wobo stories that's new to this story hey yeah. you want to take this one yeah i just uh well okay let me connect it also to a point uh i wrote here we jumped a bit but i mean i feel like um in general this story was sort of experimental in many ways right so we have the three characters there none of them get the first person uh, uh perspective right we get the extra materials mm. and we also know it's going to be shorter and I feel like when you jump uh, um, between them, it really helps that they are all so identifiable, right? I mean, none of them is Sharon, very clearly. They all have different issues and, I don't know, problems with their lives that you want to solve for them because they're so amazing and cute. But um, mm. uh, but I feel like they're really all just great, great people, like right? I mean... Not to you know dirty other wild boar works, but some of them, some of the other protagonists have been known to be not nice people, without getting into <laughs> any specifics. And I feel like these girls are like so much nicer than any other protagonist we've had. I that's my feeling at least. You know, maybe, that's very subjective, obviously. But all three feel to me like they're just good people, and that helps mm. for me at least to really connect. I think maybe having the three of them help sort of balance that out because they are like a, a team. Whereas, um, like you know, the other Wildbo protagonists may not have always had a, a team around to support them or keep them under control. Yeah, yeah, the the, the partnership there, um, and I think um, 
Uh, sorry, what was it? What was the question you asked uh, <laughs> just a minute ago? <laughs> just how you feel about the 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 fact that there's three different characters? Oh, yeah, right. The switching. Yeah, I, I think originally we were going to try to do something where because we had uh, three people narrating, we were going to switch and like everybody took one um one character and we're like well maybe it'll just keep rotating between them and then Wildbo started going out of order and doing like multiple chapters for the same character in a row and we're like okay we can't do this and um it was just tough so now we just kind of switch around so i think we've all at this point or, or mostly like uh itai and i at least have definitely read from every everyone's point of view um so um which is good you know it's kind of you get you get into the different character's head more um but yeah, no, I, I like it. I think I think it works really well. I mean, it, it's not necessarily a new thing for um, books to switch between points of view or, or follow different characters. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen it with like three protagonists so so clearly you know, def- defined like uh, in the, in this way. Of course, this is also you know already several times as long as a, as a typical novel. So um, <laughs> as as Waldo does, yeah, but, yeah. I, I think because because I remember I was a little bit nervous when it started and there were three protagonists because i have the memory of a goldfish and so i was very worried that like <laughs> jumping through three i'd forget what was happening and, and you know like as you said like you know i read other books like you know the expanse the song of ice and fire they switch perspectives a lot and sometimes you won't be in someone's head for a couple of chapters and it can take me a minute to readjust to where they are and like i forget what was happening uh and that's a book i'm reading like a couple of chapters a day so if it's been two weeks since we saw a character in Pale, I was like, oh God, I'm going to completely forget what Lucy was last doing. Um, I, I think one thing that's actually, that is actually kind of unique is that um, a lot of times when you do it in, in books, it'll be, you're not necessarily, not necessarily following a character, but um, like, a, like a, a setting or a scene. So like there's different, in, in, with, with the Kenneteers, a lot of times it's like they're all together. Yeah. You're just switching between whose perspective you see. And that's, that's, that is something that's pretty unique, actually, now, now that I think about it. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. Um, yeah, that, that was sort of why I think it worked for me is I noticed like an arc or two in, it was, it was better because we were just yeah switching perspectives in the same storyline, whereas usually a book will do this and it'll be uh, characters in completely different parts of the world and they might intersect for a, a bit, but they're kind of, doing their own stories whereas this is the story of all three of them and we're just kind of jumping who we focus on uh for for each little bit. yeah it's just like a different tint right yeah you know to the to the to the story um but and sometimes they do split up like like avery had the one where she went off on the on the uh um you know on the paths that sort of thing but zoom town oh yeah that was fun yeah Uh, but most of them are um yeah most of them together so oh i I think we've reached the point now where i'm so comfortable with the three of them they can split up more and i'd find it i find it less daunting like i think if they'd spent like you know arc five they actually spent most yeah exactly really far apart from each other and i was fine with that whereas if that had been how spread out they were in arc one i i might have just lost the plot right right um yeah so so anything else you guys uh a feeling about arc five or, or the story in general oh man it's just i don't know i'm just I, as far as like predictions or anything i'm just like i'm just along for the ride you know i'm just enjoying it it's it's lots of fun so i, I almost don't think about it too much you know with the audiobook it's kind of mechanical sometimes you're just like well just read right <laughs> um and so you do pick up stuff on the chapter you're reading, but as far as like, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to think ahead about what's going to happen next. Um, I do follow it on Reddit and whatever, and just see what people are saying. But as far as speculating, um, oof, 
<laughs> don't have the attention span for that right now. But we could, I think you guys want, did want to know at some point our, our, our predictions and stuff, right? Yeah, we will we, force, force yes. some out of you later on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it has to happen. Every single guest that comes on, we have to ask them who they think did it. But we'll get to that in a little Fair bit. Fair enough. Um, any other general <laughs> thoughts about Arc 5? So I feel like in this uh, arc, we had several really tragic characters, right? We always have tragic because it's Wabo, but like specifically Guillaume, right? Really tragic. And uh, Daniel Clem. Also, Verona's dad, technically. And, I mean, some of them at least sounded better <laughs> for me as tragic, while others less. Specifically, I, I like, I think, Guillermo a bit, a bit less. And, you know, Verona's dad is always a big mess. And I was wondering what landed for you guys and why. Um, do you want to start, Elliot? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I think, I think the, the character whose tragedy most sort of hit me emotionally was probably Daniel's. Just that that idea of somebody who had a, a taste of something that made them happy and then the, and then they lost it was just particularly tragic to me. And especially like the, the eventual realization that actually that wasn't what he needed. Um I I really liked that as a as a resolution to that sort of idea because I think it's very easy to get caught up chasing something that isn't actually good for you. Um, uh, and that really resonated with me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like almost like a, which is just like an analogy for a drug addict, like a meth addict or something, but man, it's, it's rough, right? Yeah. Hearing him just like talk about how just everything is so, uh, so just trash in, in our world, <laughs> you know? Well, there was also um, like an interesting child actor, uh, sort of angle to it as well, mm. where he's someone who, yeah brought in and then spat back out and yeah i hadn't thought about that at all but yeah that's that's a great great sort of metaphor Mm. um i think from from my perspective i I don't think this is tragic in the same sense but i really feel bad for miss and and not the fact that she's been vanished although that's bad too just that it seems from what we know of the story so far she basically has been trying to set up this this Kenneth as a haven, right? A haven for others to be like, to be able to have a relatively solid life and be, you know, un unmolested, as it were. Um, and it's just things are just going so bad for it through no fault of hers that she's had to like literally bail to try and keep it safe, and all these things are going wrong. And it's like, oh man, you had good intentions, Miss. I really hate that. You're trying to better the world, and the world seems to not want to allow that. Yeah, uh, there's still hope for her, though. I mean, we've got a Kennedy's who, right at the end of this arc, uh, she established she still thinks can do it, and she seems confident she'll be back before the end of the summer, which mm. is um, like, yeah, very impressive. So mm. she's not, she's maybe not tragic yet. She's, you know, there's there's hope. There's always there's always hope. Right, that's what Waldo does <laughs> before he crushes it. <laughs> but then there's a little hope at the end, you know. <laughs> I don't by know. The, by the way, do you buy it. her explanation slash analogy to the Solomon Seal? Because she very clearly did not make say it in a way that would, you know, make her have problems if it was inaccurate in some way. Mm. Uh, you mean? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I just I will say. So obviously, we have like sort of covered in our other stuff like uh, the the very first chapter of arc six which i think served as an interesting 
counter or, or just a different perspective, I suppose, to misses. Like, um, this is meant to be our Arc 5 one, so I won't get too deep into it, but it's definitely it's interesting how seeing how someone like Miss's perspective can be very different from like another practitioner's or something. Um, I, I do think Miss has a real aptitude for like noticing patterns and, and consequences for things, so I'm very uh, sort of I, I do lean towards assuming that she's right, at least through the lens she's looking at it uh, through. I was mm. nodding, by the way. I mean, you couldn't have seen. <laughs> I was nodding. <laughs> I, I do think, um, yeah, I mean, we, we get this explanation of the seal through the perspective of an other, right, which inherently is going to taint it a bit. I think there's a, a read where you could say that the seal is, oh, we needed a a, a way for humans to, like, have this structure to defend themselves against really dangerous monsters, right? Your, your ogres or whatever that go around eating people. And, and that's, that could be an explanation for how the seal came about as well. That is one that paints others as much more villainous and monstrous. I don't think that's correct. And Mrs. One is incorrect. I think it's just, we're, we're just seeing it through a different lens, you know? So I think it's, I think it's valid. Yeah. I mean, well, like what Kenneth brings up to me is that like not all of these others are inherently monstrous right mm. like like the, the seal seems to kind of work on this assumption that it needs to protect humanity from all others and then like most of the others we're meeting in kennet it that does that's not actually really true um like you don't need to oppress someone like miss or, or whatever um to keep innocence safe depending on who killed the carmine beast maybe but um hmm yeah yeah, I think I think it's a you know others are just like people, and that you know there's some good ones, there's some that are gonna you know cause you some trouble. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it is really interesting. That's a good point about yeah. Hmm. Um, cool. Oh. Uh, any other thoughts on Arc Five before we uh, start to move into uh, into some other predictions and stuff? I I, I want to call out one because. Mm. Uh, somebody's just written a dot point, which is just interesting thing about Snowdrop. And, yes, and what no is other the context. interesting thing about Snowdrop? <laughs> that, was, that was me. No, so this is something you guys ask, you know, anything we want to say, and it's not about Arc 5 specifically. Um, and I don't, I, I, you tell me if any, I don't, I looked around, I didn't see if anybody else covered this, but um, are people aware of Snowdrop as um, like the original name for the character Snow White? No. Uh, in, no. in Grimm's fairy, fairy Tales? Really? I don't know if, so... Yeah, so I I was reading a, a like a bedtime story to my son. I saw a Snowdrop. And I was like, oh, okay. So the original Grimm's fairy tale, you know, the character's name Snowdrop. The the uh, the evil uh, stepmother tries to kill her in many different ways. But I thought I'm wondering how and, and I'm I'm sure it's intentional on some level. Um, uh, how intentional this is. If you think about it, Snowdrop as a character that hangs around with these grubby little men, you know, like the seven dwarfs <laughs> are basically the goblins. Um, <laughs> And I, and I don't know. And, and thinking about that, Snow White falls asleep, right? That's mm. what a possum does mm. when she's, you know. So, <laughs> so I, I think I think that that name is an intentional, you know, um, reference to, to to Snowdrop. And now I'm trying to now I'm trying to think of what you know what else in the story is going to happen with Snowdrop. Is she going to find her prince? Right? Who's that? You know. So uh, that's kind of uh, just a fun thing I thought I'd bring up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody thought of it already. If, if if you know, let us know if if you have. But I didn't I didn't see it anywhere. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if there's like, because, you know, does that mean the wolf is her evil stepmother or something? Is the wolf going to come back for revenge? Ooh. Try to give her wow. a Ooh, possibly. Yeah, it could be, that, yeah. could be the wolf. Yeah. 
or or Nick, <laughs> I was gonna say Nic- Nicolette is like she's she's kind of she's not as bad as she seemed at first, you know. <laughs> think of her as the yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just a fun little thing I throw out there. Snowdrop is maybe the opposite of Snow White somehow, but that would be probably you know. <laughs> yes, heat black. She's a. Oh yeah, that's oh, well. She's yeah. Well, she that's the thing. She likes setting stuff on fire, right? It's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she's a she's just a, the the, the trash. Was it? No, I was gonna say trash panda, but that's not that's that's a raccoon, not a possum. Yeah, close enough, though. I think. <laughs> she's humble trash inspector, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, Snowdrop's so been like an instant winner. I think with everyone in this story, her uh you know trash why? aesthetic is so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why? Because she's part Avery, and Avery is objectively the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's a good argument. That is a good argument. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, cool. Uh, so I guess then uh, we want to start getting into some of the predictions, shall we? Mm-hmm. So I guess let's start with this one. Who's who? Who done it? So as a joke, I wrote Snowdrop, but. <laughs> no um i, I want to hear what, i, I let me, uh, i want to hear what you have to say itai first okay so let me be very clear i'm really bad at predicting this kind of stuff so my thought was you know let me make an outlandish statement if and if any part of it is going to be actually true that's just going to be amazing but yeah. okay hey, so that's, listen that's my strategy how dare you steal my strategy <laughs> yeah i'm sorry about that i didn't know you trademarked it so <laughs> first of all very clearly, Edith is evil. Very clearly. I mean, regardless of whether she even killed the common beast, that's what? a clear thing. That is absolutely what? true. Yeah, I, it's, okay. it's a fact. So okay, that's first. Yeah, clearly, let's yeah. start with the obvious. Now, whenever she says to Matthew that she loves him, by the way, she's talking to the Doom. That's another fact. But okay. Now, the my theory. Ooh, hot takes. Yes. So my theory <laughs> is that not only did she do it. So one thing that was a bit confusing to me was the Carmine beast body right because it's sort of in the ruins at some point right and then it disappears to another uh, um to, then we see it in the car again right and it's sort of uh, appearing in random places and you know originally it was like when the presumably where the common beast died and so on and the question is how can it disappear and my theory is that we heard quite a lot about charles's uh domain oh Right, that's the pronunciation. I remember I mispronounced it at some point, so Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong. But we know <laughs> yep, that domain, when yep. a domain gets ruined, right, it disconnects sort of from the world. And we, I mean, there was a big part about it uh, in uh, Ray's class. And my theory mm. is that she placed it there, and then only at specific times it goes back, and that's when she can access it to sort of take it back and then try to use it. But it keeps moving back away from her. Name of the act. Uh, and, uh, and very clearly like you know none of this is true but even if even one part of it is going to be true i'm just going to be very happy that, that's my yeah, theory absolutely the, the the more confident and outlandish your prediction the more points you get if it's right Thanks. exactly it, it's just like it's just like in in pale if you if you put on the show then yep. you know you get extra points if it turns out to be right the yeah, go, going all in and <laughs> and get completely forsworn if you're wrong. But yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So uh, is that is that everything, Idai? Yeah, yeah. I don't have any <laughs> anything stupid. Or just like, <laughs> is that not enough? I love to hear more. <laughs> I love to hear more. 
I'd like to subscribe to your newsletter. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. I oh, mean, I don't have a lot. I, oh, I've got this sneaking suspicion that Miss is masterminding the whole thing, and the only reason, or or at least already knows what happened. And the only reason I say that is just because she's so clever. She's just been on the ball consistently, and just I, I can't see her just not knowing what's going on and that makes me think that maybe she's doing it and with what she's trying to what, you know what she's trying to build in in Kenneth this sort of haven for others i wonder if she's got some like big plan that she's like coordinated with the fairy to try to like um come up with something <sighs> i don't know and 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 i think that um no, what was i going to say um yeah yeah i just feel like in the end of it like they're all in on it and it's only the girls who don't know. But then we're going to find out at the end that they did it for a good reason or something like that. And we're going to be like, oh, yeah, the Carmine Beast is dead, but it needed to die for and and like it's actually good that this happened or or something. You know, I don't know. Um, mm. But but I'm probably again, I'm probably completely wrong about this. Uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. There's so many like and and and, and I know when once once it's revealed, we're all going to be like, oh, yeah, now it was obvious. Um <laughs> But hindsight's twenty twenty, so I don't feel bad for not knowing. <laughs> yeah, I I completely agree. There's so many moving parts, and I think that's why a Wobbo mystery is working so well because um, it's so easy to lose track of all these parts. And then, yeah, as you said, like I I recently started a reread um through the audiobook and listening to one point one like with Verona, it was just it was all there, like all the stuff about her wanting to become other. Mm. And mm. like all this characterization, like when you reread it from the end of arc five, you're just like, oh god, like this is so, this reads so differently and so obviously now that we know who Verona is, um, and uh, this story is just going to be all of that. Like once we know who did it and why, you're just going to be rereading like even the prologue probably, and yeah. just like I remember, oh, I remember exactly that scene you're talking about because I, I narrated that one, and that was like uh, her, what was it, uh, her dad coming home and just nitpicking all of her cleaning. Mm. That that stuff, yeah, that was oh. Well, even oh. these things, like I, I remember when I first read it, being confused about what it meant that she didn't like to change her clothes. She just liked to have a few clothes that were hers, and she didn't want to update them as she was growing. She just wanted to stay the same size. And I was like, I don't know what this means. And now it's like, well, of course, she wants to become other. She wants to stop, uh, like growing into an adult because she doesn't want to be one. Ah, oh. and yeah, and like yeah, yeah. It was just all these light bulb moments when you reread the chapter, knowing what we know now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, he scatters. He knows. He knows where it's going to go, right? So he scatters all these hints that become obvious in retrospect. So. Yeah. To be honest, I had another theory, but it was more unhinged. So I decided to skip it. But you guys are actually <laughs> touching on a lot of things I was thinking about. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Let's so, hear okay. It. So you know how Mr. Lai was saying that the numbers don't add up in classes, right? And we mm. think it's mm-hmm. about yep. he's talking about Gabe disappearing, right? But mm-hmm. what if the three girls were actually a creation by Charles and they are all others, okay? Especially Verona. <laughs> Verona is like clearly an other, okay? Generated by Charles. Okay, the timeline I think fits, right? About when he gets first one versus when she was born, quote unquote. Okay. okay. And then somehow they were killing the Carmine Beast and then their memory gets deleted. And everyone's saying that like there's other reasons why they chose specifically them. Because they are the killers. You see? Oh, it all makes sense. 
<laughs> now, now I'm unsubscribing from your newsletter again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only had 400 subscribers, like Sharon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I was afraid I that if I say that none about... of it is going to be true. <laughs> but who knows? There's a tragic angle, because I'm just sort of thinking like, you know, oh, you put Avery in a family where she's going to get lost because there's too many kids. And um, I, I don't know how you explain Lucy, but like there's this dark interpretation where it was like they made Verona and then stuck her with a couple that was about to break up so that they'd stay together. Um, and then that worked for about 12 years uh, before it all went to shit. But it was like the only reason <laughs> those two were together was for Verona. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yikes. Thank you. <laughs> That's so horrifying. <laughs> if we crack it, I need a reward. By the way, if this is actually true, that's going to be amazing. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see a lot no, of I evidence for this one, guys. I'm going to be honest. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Edit, something I want to do at the end of this story, I think, is go through that pale predictor sheet we've been running where, where yes. people can submit predictions and like give out awards to people who predicted crazy shit uh the, the earliest yeah the the, the craziest <laughs> correct prediction award yeah mm. exactly yeah i yeah. haven't read it because i'm really afraid you know i remember i think i don't remember if it was scott or matt right in warm i'm not gonna say what but he predicted a lot of stuff really accurately and i'm really afraid i'm gonna read the, something that's actually real because like wild <laughs> readers are smarter than me and they probably actually figured out some stuff yeah, there's some there's some crazy ones like uh, what's it? Oh, actually, wait, wait, I don't know. We shouldn't do spoilers for other other works, so I won't mention it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I there think was I one about. I think I know the one from Ward that you're talking yes. about. Yes, yeah. yeah, the Ward yeah, yeah, one yeah. was yeah. just insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and they were speaking about in you know analyzing Ward, and I always read like one arc behind, also in Pale uh, Pale Reflections, to make sure you know to reduce the probability of being spoiled exactly by you guys being too smart. And I was like, oh my god, they just discovered it and they're saying this. Yeah, someone just said this, but, you know, that's an insane theory. And I it looks like it figures things out. I don't oh, know. Maybe I'm weird, but I don't mind getting spoiled that much if it's not like a, like a mass. Like, I don't know. Like, it's still, it's still a really enjoyable story. I don't know. Because if, even if it's, you know, kind of what's going to happen, the way that it happens is always a surprise. I don't know. I, I'm probably just strange. Agree. No, otherwise I wouldn't have read, you know, Worm like four times or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think? You, you mind spoilers or? I love when I usually avoid spoilers, but if it's, I love crazy theories that turn out to be true. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a spoiler or not, but it's just like. Well, because you don't best. know, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Seeing it come true is just the best feeling of like, oh my God, it's actually <laughs> happening. Yeah, since there's always doubt for me, I'm usually fine with these these theories because, like, even that one from Ward, I didn't really like. I, I thought it was like, oh, that's a great theory, but it wasn't until it became true that I was like, holy shit! Um, yeah, and th there's probably a bunch of those in our power predictor already. Where like, I sort of, I've probably read like the correct answer or close to the correct answer, and just been like, ah, oh, cool. Um, and it, it won't be till like after the fact that I appreciate it as a spoiler. Um, because right now I'm confused enough by Wild Bo's, you know, crazy machine of a story that mm. I, I'm not confident huh? uh, that what, any of them is right. What chance do you guys think, like, okay, so if you had, you know, effectively infinite time to just read the story up until where it is right now and and say, like, 
how, what, what chance do you think you'd have of actually figuring out what happened with the, with the Carmine Beast? You know what I mean? Like, is, is yeah. there enough information in there to, to figure it out if, if, we, if you go through it with, you know, with a fine-tooth comb and, and try to put all the clues together? My bet is that it is all in there, but I would be unable to find it. Like, it's going to be obvious in yeah. retrospect. But well, I, if, there's, if there's enough, the thing is, if there's enough red herrings, it's tough, right? Exactly, mm. yeah. I think but in, yeah. Retro, in retrospect, it'll be easy to be like, oh, that's the, that was our clue. But like right now, I can't, I, I'm, not, I'm not clever enough to put that together. Uh-huh. I think it's going to be something like what you said before, where it's like, we could, you know, we could guess that it's, oh, Matthew is involved in this part and Edith was involved in this part. But I think we're not going to understand the why of it. I think there's going to be bits of like why things have happened that are more sad and tragic than we could have predicted at this point. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, I'm even talking about, yeah, like figuring out motivations by going back and picking up subtle hints from the characters, Mm. you know, just... um trying to do that so it's i don't know i mean i feel like it's not eh, yeah it'd be uh it's it's a tough part is you know the signal to noise ratio right yeah um there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't matter and then there's some stuff that's like yeah that's this is exactly a hint towards what's happened you know Um, Mm. anyway yeah i agree with uh, elliot i mean i'd probably it's probably all there and probably you know when i read it the second time i'm gonna be Oh come on! It's just obvious. How come and no one found it out immediately? <laughs> yeah, it was clearly like, super me... evil the whole time. Yeah, well, for <laughs> that's it? obvious. Sorry? Like I said, even if she didn't kill the calming beast, she's just evil. I mean, she's pure evil. It's almost yeah. by definition. <laughs> Let me be forsworn, otherwise, as we've said. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I feel like if I read it now, like you know, even twenty times each chapter, I don't know that I would be able to say for sure who the killer is. Or, you know, not even who the killer is, like, you know, sort of what is behind the scenes, what's going on there. In fact, I think mm. I'd go backwards if I really had unlimited time. I feel like I, I, I'd, I'd go crazy be and less drive sure. myself in circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I'm just imagining, you know, like uh, building up, you know, like one of those uh, <laughs> tattletale style rooms with all the, all, yeah. all the clues and the <laughs> strings and yes. stuff. But what I don't have is is like her power's ability to say this is the thing that matters. So I just like yeah, I know I'd lose I'd lose track of the important. <laughs> well, that things. would be cheating. <laughs> yeah, as, as I like build up more and more tin foil and forget which parts are theories yeah. I made up and what's actually in the story. Well, her power does that too, right? Once she tries to get too much out of it. True. I wonder if she reads books. Like you know, if she enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> probably not she's like oh i know how it ends <laughs> goes on pale predictor and writes all the right answers <laughs> oh god <laughs> um so one other thing we should get to is uh the meaning of the arc title back away which is something that we like to do in these reflections episodes think about what uh where that meaning comes from yeah uh so the definition of back away as an idiom uh is to like move backwards away from something obviously um but it's there's usually a connotation of like you being frightened uh as you do so um or or like if there was like a plan like if somebody has a plan you might back away from the plan and that's sort of you saying i don't want to be involved in this anymore those are sort of the two ways it's usually interpreted yeah you agree sorry we are we oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) so yeah i I can sort of go for I, i obviously had this interpretation of um uh there was so much focus on on people like clem uh and and melissa at the at the height of this like backing away from the world of magic um like clem kind of got scared off getting her answers from charles uh 
I don't think it worked on Melissa, but they tried um, to get her to back away. Uh, obviously, Daniel chose not to chase his glamour. Um, and and then right at the end, we had sort of Verona calming down on her plan to secretly become a cat girl. <laughs> yeah. She was actually also backing away from her father. I mean, I sort of... We didn't put him in mm. my action, I didn't, but that's also true. So... I hmm. took it less in the idiomatic way, sort of just by literal interpretation of back and away. So first of all, Miss was coming back from being away, which was very nice of her because I love her. And uh, also very, you know, very deeply, they were starting the episode, sorry, not episode, the arc back in Kenneth, right? And by the end, they were away again. So they were back <laughs> away. Just the plot. It's uh. And- the, the the Hobbit, like the subtitle of The Hobbit is there and back again. That's that's also just <laughs> Arc 5 of, of Pale. It's a ripoff of oh, The yeah, Hobbit. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> They're the same story. <laughs> um, Sharon yeah. is Smaug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's, oh. <laughs> I'm going to try to do a Smaug voice next time I have to read Sharon. Uh, <laughs> 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 there's, um, yeah, uh, there was actually so, and then I think one other thing about back away, you know, you can almost think of it as so the the you know there's the the there's also like a physical backing away, like actually because I, I just I just thought of this as you, you guys were saying this, um, all of the others that are kind of invading Kennet, it's almost like a command from the 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 others who are trying to protect it, saying like, listen, just back away, like step back, you're not coming in here, you know, um, mm. and uh, yeah. yeah, but it's just yeah, it's. Also for the tenants, actually, and the Bristow, right? I mean, they also sort of, the gals are coming there and like, back away. Don't come here, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just basically everybody trying to like, stop each other from doing stuff, right? Um, yeah. The whole chapter. But uh, this, um, yeah. And I think also like, you mentioned the definition is something usually because uh, it's like, because you're frightened or whatever, or for a lot of these characters, you know, like Daniel and the glamour, it's like dangerous. It's really bad for him, right? Yeah. And, that's that's sort of a important thing, and, and likewise for well, for Verona, I think you know our, our impre- from our point of view, it's like yeah, this sounds like a terrible idea to turn into an other, um, in the sense that she's trying to do it as a way of escaping her family situation, and it's it's like that's Verona's so practice focused that that's what her mind goes to. She's like, hey, here's an out. I'll I'll become an other. It's like, well, well hold on a second. You know, there there might be a simpler way to deal with this problem. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's uh, and I mean, the girls got got her back, and I really like the way that they handled that. You know, trying to support her and 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 you know, and understand where she's coming from, but like also just be like, yeah, like we we will we we're we're worried about you. You know, um, <laughs> so I don't know back away i always wonder if there's like another another meaning of back away you know but i, I can't think of any other sort of huh mm, i think in general what's the, what's, what's the most recent oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say i think in general i think this this arc just has a lot of people backing down from very extreme things happening mm. you know <laughs> um mm-hmm. which is i think good i think it's good in most of the cases because something something we've got to keep an eye on for arc, arc six is um Bristow looks like he's not going to regret having sent these three. So Verona mm. is presumably going to get gainsaid uh, soon. Um, so I wonder. I, that's going to be what did she to see? R- remind me what she what did she say? They she they said... sort of had a bet where if he regrets sending them, um, 
he he gets gainsaid, and if he doesn't, then Verona does. Right, um, that was the phone call, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think it looks like he's going to come out on top of that. Uh, She's got time, though, right? Well, it's like when yeah. the- I, I suppose, but like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 we don't know exactly what the rules are, but it's it's something to watch out for, I suppose. As if Verona suddenly becomes really bad at practice, and I, I guess we know why mm. because I don't think she's mm. told the others. Ooh, yeah. Um, who was in who was in the car with her? There was John, right? And there was another Sharon. Sharon. Oh, just these two. I see. Yeah. So yeah. just John. There's- yeah. <laughs> yeah Sharon, Sharon was unconscious for a good a good part of the conversation, I think. Good riddance. Um, <laughs> uh, so one thing I, I was like, so you, uh, you've got it written down here, Clem backing away from her answers. And that's the one that I'm really like, oh, I'm very torn about. Mm. Like, clearly she made a decision that feels right to her. But I just wonder how much of that is Bristow's setting everything up to keep all the, the aware in his, uh, as, as his tenants. Um, instead of letting them get out, and and I'm just like, I I just really want Clem to get away from her her gilded lily curse, hmm. you know, poor poor Clem. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because it did. Him. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I I still I still do hold out hope that Clem can ruin Bristow's life when she gets back. But um, hmm. yeah, that was that was why I thought that moment was so interesting where she said no and decided to go home because I think. It felt like a victory that she backed away from learning more about the practice because it does sound mm. like it makes everything worse. Um, I, I guess I don't know if I believe that, but it, I got the impression that we were meant to sort of think her not chasing those answers is a good thing um, from what everyone was telling her. But then on the other mm. hand, the other half of that is she's going back to Bristow and I don't like that part. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I was very conflicted about the whole uh, I, decision there. I think it's kind of funny. It's like, hey... We want Clem to do this thing. Let's send our most convincing person, Charles. You know, it's like, <laughs> like nobody, it, just if you want something to happen, not to happen, just have Charles advocate for it. You know, it's really, um, I don't know. So, Charles, it's just, it's just hilarious. So nobody, right? nobody yeah. listens to it. Yeah, nobody listens to it. He doesn't get no respect. But. <laughs> He's below Cherry Pop. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. Hush. Yeah, you didn't mention that the the goblins and fairies was actually, you know, had dual authors, right? Both Avery and and uh, not Cherry Pop. Sorry, Snowdrop. Oh, I got confused. <laughs> sorry, it's late at night here. <laughs> my brain is uh, <laughs> only half working. No worries. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, there were Snowdrop uh, editorialisms in there, which was fun. <laughs> yeah, we learned about dust bunnies. Thanks to her. Are you guys? Yeah. Oh, the Dutch bunnies. <laughs> that was funny. You guys. Um. I. I. I think I'm finally getting used to Snowdrop speak mm. now. <laughs> like I can read it and just kind of mentally translate it, and just anything Snowdrop says is the opposite, right? And sort of. It was hard in the beginning, but now it's it's kind of natural. I don't know. I still get caught up when we haven't heard from yeah. her in a bit. Um. Once in a while, yeah, yeah. Like in five point D, right at the end, there's that moment where Snowdrop finds Miss, and she says, "Don't look," and when i first read that for a second i was like why shouldn't they look <laughs> oh i'm an idiot um yeah so yeah. yeah i definitely sometimes it still takes me a second the the one uh the interlude from her perspective messed with my head you guys probably went over this already but when it was like oh actually she's because a lot of her statements were kind of ambiguous yeah in the beginning and then and then you realize oh yeah no she's just talking normally now it's like oof 
I had to go yeah, reread that I, one. I only but... realized that very, very late, and I was very, very confused by it. Like, yeah, what the hell yeah. is that? What she thinks? Like, what's going on here? I, I, I think also, I've like, seen the fact that she lies. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. I think I've seen Wabo say that that was the intent. Like, you are sort of meant to get to the towards the end of the chapter and be like, "Oh God, she is saying what she thinks," and of course, and it's she on doesn't purpose. hear it flip, and then and you know you're encouraged to go back and read it. Um, so yeah, well, it's it worked. Such, it, yeah, it's it a universal experience because because it yeah it, it works. Yeah. Also, in her first <laughs> chapter, I guess it was said explicitly, but I must have missed it. Because, like, uh, the first time she appears, right, in the Fourth Human Trail, I didn't realize she was able to lie. I mean, the fact that she lies all the time until literally the last moment when she burns down the library. And I guess, I mean, Avery <laughs> must have said it and I missed it. I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, that's where we get the audiobook, right? You get to <laughs> read it again and, yes. and catch that stuff. We're doing it for ourselves, not for anybody else. <laughs> yeah that was my original goal to get other people to narrate and then you know i need to narrate one once one chapter every few weeks and then i get to listen to i remember that guys. yeah <laughs> my evil plan <laughs> i'm a, i and uh, the funny thing is i'm not the kind of person who usually listens to audiobooks so much i mean i will once in a while but like mostly i, I like to read but i just i just love narrating you know um so it's uh yeah at least for me I don't no, know. I I I, yeah. I re-listened to Pact when uh, Speed Chuck, I think his name is, uh, was doing yeah. like the audiobook, and I'm really sad that it, you know, it slowed down. I mean, for whatever reasons, obviously. I mean, it's not a complaint, but it's still know, it slowed it's down. It's still going, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I think at the moment it is a little blocked, just because uh, the person who was meant to read the interlude that the book is up to uh, stopped writing back to him and just didn't submit it <laughs> the problem um, with community hmm. audiobook projects yeah, so, yeah. yeah we can relate so, to yeah. that part <laughs> <laughs> so i i think yeah. i think it is coming back but uh he kept getting actually like uh professional audiobook jobs uh and that slowed it down so he's actually oh, yeah well, there's like a, an audiobook on on audible that you can buy that the speed chuck so rated now what you're saying he's so, he's sold out is what you're yeah. saying right? <laughs> no <laughs> yeah exactly. no, no, good for good for him good for him it's yeah. like yeah it's um i mean and we, we're, we're very explicit with this one like yeah just you know do your best have fun we're not we're not we're trying to be fast right we want to try to the original goal was to try to keep up with Wildbo, and obviously that's really hard so but we're, we're only one arc behind so far mm. about yeah. um and we just got a bunch of new people so we're uh we're hoping that we can uh Catch, catch up so yeah cool um awesome well speaking of where can where can people yeah. go to uh yeah to to catch uh, the pale audiobook it's i mean it's on uh i think a lot of the major podcast uh we're well, not podcasting but yeah yeah podcasting platforms like there's um uh, itunes and uh it's we we, we use anchor Spotify. but so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all them good guys all good Google Podcast as well, or or uh, uh, no? I met all them good guys. Google Podcast didn't let me because I don't live in uh, the US, or I mean, they have oh. very limited uh, service for some reason. Really oh, maybe we can start. Maybe we'll see, see if we can start oh, that out. But I think yeah, most people most people have ways of getting to it. So yeah, that um, was yeah. a that was also, a hurdle weird to go through. Google Play just didn't want to let us submit our podcasts because we were Australian. It was, yeah, that was yeah. What a nightmare that was. <laughs> oh man okay well i'm i'm in the us so maybe i can i'll, I'll sort that out i didn't realize sorry <laughs> yeah i, I hope i hope people can find it anyway but yeah there's um, also we'll, we'll uh, throw a link 
Yeah, that was what mm. I was about to say. <laughs> There's probably a link in yeah. your uh, in this podcast somewhere. And also, uh, yes. you can go to the Pale um, Index that I forgot the name of the dude who upholds it. Uh, Fairlax. Uh, but he's a nice dude. Yeah. Fairlax. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. So there you can see also which chapters have been released, which, uh, how behind are we? And uh, also for the Pale Reflections, you can see when the new chapters are going to come out. So I'm plugging this podcast in the podcast. Casey <laughs> yeah, um, doesn't know how to listen to the show. <laughs> yeah, and, and we obviously we we link that sheet in in our notes every week. Uh, it's been a while since we called it out. It's it's amazingly thorough. It's great, as you said. It's got the audiobook links. It's got links to our Reddit threads. It's got like a separate sheet, like you know, like another tab with like every piece of pale fan art, which is like a ridiculously large number of, of fan art stuff in there now. Uh, include any catalogs like where that. it spoils for um it yeah it's it's such an asset this sheet so mm-hmm. check it out if you haven't looked at it for a while mm-hmm. one th- one thing uh and i think i've mentioned it to the the author um that i find really useful is the word counts for each chapter so you know how much work you got in store for you um <laughs> i do check those before sitting down to do my library just to get a mental <laughs> picture in my head of how long i'm roughly gonna be doing that live read yeah 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 oh, Thirteen thousand words ago one coming up fun <laughs> no it is oh, wow. it is fun i, I I'm, I'm complaining but it's it's yeah we love it so <laughs> yeah exactly i was not aware of the second tab and now i'm looking at it and there's so much fan art here that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um all right uh i guess that's uh that's all we've got so yeah thanks for joining us again folks um if people want to check out more from us, you can uh, check out our Twitter, which is at MediaMD Podcast. Uh, yeah, that's where we do those uh, live reads I was just mentioning. Um, there's also doofmedia.com. That's the place to find all the other podcasts that are good. Um, so check it out. All right. Thanks for having us. It's been, yeah, it's been a blast. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. 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 Um, it, while you're checking out Doof Media, you can also support all the shows by going to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia and while you're there, go to patreon.com forward slash wabo and support uh, creators. You guys yeah, don't have don't... a Patreon, I guess. Is there a good way to support you guys? Just listen to the show? Yeah, there's a very good oh. way. You think about the money you want to give us, you double the amount and give it to wabo. You can also share <laughs> it, you would not complain. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you're interested in doing some, some narrating, that's, you know, we're, 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 uh, new narrators yeah. are, are welcome. We usually have people start out with, uh, some extra material because it's generally shorter. That, that's not always true. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you, one. if you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know if you want to, if you want to try your hand at it. Yeah. Come yeah, on. Also gotta, we'd love to have you. So if you want to support these projects, don't back away from patreon <laughs> nice Good one, <laughs> uh, all right all right folks thanks for joining us audience right. thanks for listening Thank do, do we do we want to do a backed to packed i'm seeing a Ooh. little bit of of notes on that yeah here. i have a few questions i'd be happy to ask if you guys uh, are alive and well all yeah right, well let's get okay, into well, let's, um, spoilers if, yeah if you haven't read packed now's the time to to finish that was the end of the episode and for the rest of you let's get backed to packed <laughs> so mm-hmm. my first question is uh something that actually Aaron mentioned. So I think aware are really is a really awesome concept that I don't think we actually seen in in pack and it's a very qu- short question because I think the only aware that we sort of saw there were the black cards, right? Which were mm. sort of just regular people that were able to lie for the practitioners. 
And I was wondering if maybe there are others that I may have missed. And if the black no, ones, I, actually, that was another thing I was thinking about. If they were going yeah, to I, be... I, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was. I was just. Gonna say, I think you're right. Like, because I. I think I remember in deep. In fact, Ruben and I trying to come up with a word for people who weren't innocent but weren't awoken practitioners. Mm. Um, and that was in like Arc thirteen or something. So, mm. uh, if the word aware was in Pact, uh, we certainly <laughs> missed it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I think the only the only instance of of somebody who was innocent but kind of aware uh were the the black guards and that was very much people kind of making that choice still not not people like bristow's victims yeah i can't think of any other examples of aware types that we saw so yeah i'm trying my to think, second i, I think more think interesting <laughs> so my second more interesting question i think is so you know i i so you ask sometimes people who didn't read pack what they feel like if they have missed something right or or if they're I don't know, feeling something mm. missing from the experience. And I was wondering if you guys feel that by reading Pact, we may have actually, you know, missed something that we could have gotten, like, for the first time in Pale, that something that sort of would be nice if actually you read, you read Pale first. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I was chatting about this with, um, with Jay on our Discord the other day because um, uh, Jay had started, just, just started Pale and they just started Pale Reflections and they sort of were like... Um, having read Pact, they're like, it's a bit frustrating listening to Elliot and Ruben in episode one pretend like they don't know the words like practitioner or awakening ceremony. <laughs> um, and I was sort of like, yeah, don't worry, that was just as annoying to do as it was to um, to hear. But I think that had that an, an added side benefit where because I was sort of constantly having to think as I wrote the notes, how does this look to somebody who hasn't read Pact? I think that hopefully we got closer to that headspace than we otherwise might have like if if power reflections from the start had had packed spoilers i think it might have taken us a bit longer to notice some of the things pale was doing differently um because we might have been stuck in in the headspace of like you know others can be monsters hmm. mm. for me one thing that i kept on thinking i think from pack that was sort of i think not necessarily a good idea was that people are always warning you that you should not define others, right? That it's very dangerous to, yeah. to think of others like as fairies or whatever. And here I, I felt like it was maybe more well-defined, like we're meeting sort of uh, more stable spirits or, or sorry, not spirits, um, more stable others that were a bit more well-defined, each with a sort of more complete story. And uh, I don't know, it's something small, but I was thinking if maybe you guys, you know, from the from your high seats of the to announce this podcast might have what, other ideas. One thing I would say that, uh, yeah, just, just um, that I can kind of think of a counter example, a little bit of that though. Like um, there's, I think of Toad Swallow as an example, right? The goblin who's semi-respectable, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> like, um, there's like an, it, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. And, and I mean, some of this, I don't know how much of this is an act, but I feel like goblins would have a lot of trouble even acting, even pretending to be, you know, half decent in a way. Um, and likewise, I think the, fa- I, I would say the goblins and the fairies, the ones that, that really, for me, um, like uh, Guilherme in particular, uh, particular, because he's a lot of, a lot of times Lucy mentions, like they're always warning, getting warned about the fairy. And yet Guilherme seems like a half decent guy. And maybe that's just him playing through his story. You know, um, that's just the part of his life. Like he's done all of his horrible things. I think people have mentioned that. Um, 
But but yeah, I just feel like there's I'm really curious to see about the, the others, specifically the ones in Kennet, how they violate, you know, because they're, they're the the girls are kind of like learning more about about others. And they're like, hey, well, our others don't seem exactly the same. You know, they don't always fit the mold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really curious to see how if, if that plays into things. I mean, maybe it'll turn out that they are that some of the things uh, where they seemed not to follow the, the typical pattern for their type of thing were were deception or something. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, that's, that's what I was thinking of, of, of that. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I sort of had the same thought in our most recent episode, which you guys wouldn't have actually had time to listen to. So to, to repeat myself like a little bit, like, uh, yeah, like if goblins are sort of meant to be the ugly truth of humanity, Toad Swallow kind of sits in an odd spot there because he, he does acting, like he puts on airs, like he's not, he, he, he's a bit more of an actor than the sort of bluntness of the other goblins. and. Uh, we learned in that extra material in Arc Five. He he's been to a lot of the fairy courts and been in their markets. Like he's just such a that's weird, just so weird for Goblin, right? Yeah. Um, and and, and similarly, like Gilmay, you're right. It's sort of on the other side where he's he's less, or he's seemingly sort of you know a bit more blunt uh, than a lot of the other fairies we've seen. And uh, a, a popular theory we've had come through Pale Predictor recently is that like Gilmay might actually be a goodie. Um, <laughs> Who's, who's trying to help the Kenneteers. So, yeah, is, mm. is Kennet a place that Miss was building to let others break free of patterns and break Wait. the mold? And, uh, sorry, just going back to Toadsfall, I just there's one thing I just thought of. Um, we've heard, I think, exactly, I, th- I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there's been two instances we've heard of a goblin and an, or like basically a goblin and a fairy or in one case, Daniel singing together, right? Mm. There's the one where, where they, uh, Toadsfall found him in the cave, right? It's, it's Am I, am I remembering correctly? Was it Toadswall? I thought it was just, I thought it was like Nat or someone. The one who sang with him. Yeah. Like, droopy, you know, whatever. Farts and farts. Yeah, I think, oh. I think that was another one. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I, I apologize. I don't remember. There were, and then there was one um, in the simulation, wasn't there? Um, what's his name? Mr. Sunshine, uh, Ray Sunshine's uh, simulated fairy courts. And, they, and, and I think Lucy mentioned she heard something that could only be a goblin singing with a fairy? Oh, uh, I don't I remember. Don't remember. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I, I think there was. I, I, I read that chapter recently. So, um, yeah. So that was that's just one thing that stuck out to me as you know, kind of pointing towards that others being very difficult to categorize. Right? It's almost. I mean, it's kind of almost like uh, like uh, creatures and critters in, in the real world, right? Like taxonomy is a they say it's more of an art than a science, you know, mm. um, like creatures that we, we, we separate everything into, to, you know, classes and genus and species and whatever. But there's a lot of stuff that's just really hard, right? Mm. You know, it's, the, the real world is actually a lot messier than it seems. Um, like they, yeah. they, they say that, like, just to call something a fish, there's so much variety in what you would call a fish, you know. Um, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. It, it's and a that kind of goes back to. Yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead. That is the thing in biology wanted... where it's like every time scientists draw a line and say, this is how we define life, then some new thing will come along that like breaks that definition. And and something that came up in Pact a lot, like this is a point somebody raised before that uh, I don't think we, we really got to, like um, Pact was very explicit in like being careful about doing definitions. Mm. Uh, and, and we had things like the hyena that, that kind of broke the mold for goblins. Uh, and then 
particularly in 6.1, which is, this is our Arc 5 thing, and so, uh, you know, I don't want to do it too much, but like 6.1, uh, Duruche was all about like find, figure out the definition of what you're fighting and, um, you know, do that. And uh, that's not, like, like, that seems to go against like, you know, the advice Rose Senior might have imparted on someone, which was like, be careful about mm. labels. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. interested to see if, if that's going to start to come into pale. Because that, that kind of might be the whole point of what we've, we've talked about with Kennet is a lot of these others are kind of less defined by their labels and maybe everyone's too cavalier about saying, oh, Toad's always a goblin, so XYZ is true about him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to... I mean, they're, they're at this Blue Heron Institute. There's all these practitioners who are clearly quite experienced and learned and um, they have a certain perspective on the world. And I'm wondering if at some point they're going to get blindsided by the others of Kennet and just being like, whoa, hold on. I mean, even they even have put things into a category, right? They've put the girls into, uh, what do they call them? The uh, dabbler, uh, yeah, like wild practitioners mm. or wild practitioners. Yeah. Oh, yeah sorry about the yeah. noise there. Um, and that's something that I feel like they, they put them into a box. And I'm hoping that you know like especially what you know when it comes to alexander or whatever that the girls can surprise him by just not being what they you know not fitting into that box they've tried to put them into all nice and tidy yeah um and so yeah yeah i actually think i might have been prejudiced by by pack specifically against fairies because i'm thinking about it i never really <laughs> liked yeah because i keep thinking about maggie hall which is like you know mm. yeah i hate i hate him it's hard but, to uh, separate that isn't it yeah, I know, right? And this is why I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, again, to repeat myself a little bit, I'm so excited to start seeing people who've read Pale go the other way into Pact because <laughs> yeah, there's going to be, be stuff like they might hold out hope for someone like Pordrig to not be a complete monster. Oh, or God. yeah, oh, they're in for a surprise. <laughs> yeah, or they, you know, I could see someone opening Pact and. And being like, oh, well, there's going to be more to demons than just being evil. You know, others aren't just inherently <laughs> evil. And then they're just going to keep meeting demons. <laughs> no. Nice. Or the demon with a heart of gold. Yeah. <laughs> or being raised to Kenneth. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's a thing. Well, I, uh, we know like Walbo really likes to subvert expectations mm. a lot of times, you know, and just mess around with the, your, the tropes you're used to. So, I would. I, I am really interested to see what what happens with uh, Guillerme, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's yeah. Okay, that's all I had to say. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Any other packed specific stuff that we want to touch on while we're here? It is is evil. Avery is huh? the best. Just <laughs> I, said, I, I think I said it twice each. I think this is the third time. So now you know. Okay. Yeah. No, that's okay. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't see it if if john okay if john is do you think john's evil too i think both john and Eve are kind of ruthless when they need to be mm. but they don't she doesn't feel like you know more evil than john to me although maybe maybe john is more just like that's his nature and edith is you could say that edith is i mean she's a fire she burns stuff right it's <laughs> <laughs> <To> a <the> candle <laughs> john is a hard ass know. but edith is just evil yeah. like how do you call the There's, She's from one of the choirs, definitely. I don't know which yet. What, maybe the abstract one. <laughs> sort of an abstract <coughs> These claims oh, are getting bolder. I love it. <laughs> I do. 
I do. Have, I got to say, John and John and Lucy is one of my favorite pairings. Yes. Just I yeah. want to see like I want to see some fan art of like or I, so I've I've been trying. I, I do fan art once in a while, but like um have not been done like anything since we started our on this. So no time, but our cover art is yeah yeah fan that, art. very nice one. That, that was that was me. Thank you. Oh, nice. Um. But uh, yeah, no, but I, but just, 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 uh, what was it? There's that one scene where, where uh, this is back a couple, uh, last arc. I don't remember the one where they were in the, uh, what's the guy, the cold tears guy. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Um, and they're in the, fo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Something like> that. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and they were in the forest and I think like John was like helping Lucy over a log or something like that. Just, just a, a scene like that. Just they're, they're, they're both so badass in different ways, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah. Anyway, that's just a, nothing to do with Pact or anything like that. Sorry, I just had to say it. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> <That was> fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pact just seems like it's so much darker than Pale. Do you feel that? Um, I almost feel like Pale is like as <laughs> Wildo's attempt at making something that's young adult, but it's still clearly like <laughs> still really dark, but not as dark. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but you know, if one of them dies. I'm gonna be so mad if one of them even that does like a like a Blake oh, no. for an art. Don't. That's gonna be horrible. Don't say it. <laughs> yeah, I I refuse to accept that. Yeah. Um, the forest ribbon trail was bad enough, right? I mean, I was so yeah. worried. Yeah, I think the hungry choir, like that first interlude, was sort of the point where it was like, okay, so this isn't like not horrifying, like because it had you're right up until that point, it was like, oh, this is like a nicer side of the world to to pact. And then we sort of got the hungry choir interlude, and I was like, okay, but it's not all roses. <laughs> this is yeah. still Poor the Gabe. same world as packed. Mm, yeah. Poor Gabe. It's just like, it's, it's almost like a, yeah, I mean, people have mentioned it before. You know, Blake was such bad karma, right? <laughs> Worse than Charles, probably, you know? So <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not, it's not, um, we're, we are getting a viewpoint, like, a, I think a more typical practitioner viewpoint, right? Um, when you're not just drowned in, in, in negative karma. Mm. Do you think he's worse than Charles? I don't think so. I mean, I think Charles is pretty much as low. I mean, Charles as he is forsworn. Yeah, but like, uh, like Blake had like like how many generations of of crappy karma just like Maybe, poured yeah. down on him, right? I, I don't know. I, I I can't say for sure, but yeah. I think that by the end, it maybe does maybe some it wasn't best Charles. I think by the end, he does some good mm. acts, and then he gets a bit of like good karma. I think at some well, point, he gets some good things happening. Wasn't that? Wasn't it? Was, was it after he went to the the abyss and that that kind of, in a Ooh, sense, maybe. wiped the sl- slate clean? Or am I am I thinking of am I confused about that? Yeah, I think because Rose became the heir at that point, he sort of didn't right. have it sitting on him anymore. It moved over to her. Uh, yeah, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Boogeyman uh, Blake gets gets a lot. Things go a lot more smoothly for him, right? Well, for certain definitions, yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean. He didn't have he didn't have the karma anymore. Like he. He just had, yeah, he yeah. had new problems. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy and, and relative. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, isn't that, isn't that just Blake's life? Like, oh yeah, he just has new <laughs> problems. <laughs> life is a wild bow protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Huh. Cool. All right. Um, I guess huh? that's where we'll wrap it up. Thanks again for joining huh? us, folks. And uh, all right, thanks. Us. Yeah, yeah. See you next time. Awesome, cool. All right, everybody. On the see ya. Listen, listen to listen to the audiobook <laughs> if you want. <laughs> <laughs>